You're listening to Nobody's Podcast, where we share the remarkable stories of ordinary people leading extraordinary lives. Join us as we explore success, passion, and living life to the fullest. The journey begins this is Nobody's Podcast, and we're here to talk about success today. We're here with the gentleman by the name of Simon, and no one believes that Simon would be defined in today's society as success. But what's more important, not what no one thinks, but um, what Simon thinks. And Simon, happy to have you here today. Thank you. What's your definition of success? There's two, I would say there's two versions of success. The way that people see you or interpret you by materialistic things or the success that you see in yourself and how you produce a feel to the world, okay? So, for example, the people see me, they say, oh, my God, he's got a lot of businesses, he has fancy cars, he has beautiful homes and blah, blah, blah. That's what people may see as success. For me, success starts at home. How you treat your wife, how you treat your loved ones, how you treat your children... How do you feel you're treated by people, your, your children, your wife and your friends or even people that don't know you? How do you feel treated by them? Well, respected. You feel respected? Yeah, I do feel respected. But how, do they show, res- how, do, how do they show you respect? Coming to me for advice, coming to me for guidance, just the way they speak to me in general. Respect it has to be earned. So for them to respect me, Obviously, I have to respect them. And so, with respect, especially for my children, they are very hard workers. And by showing them that I'm a hard worker, they will follow the trait. So, respect has to be earned. And I think I do that. What are the two things that you want out of life, you're striving for, the most important things in life for you? Success for my children and family and love. Family and love. Yeah. But you, you mentioned respect a lot. Mm-hmm. So we could put love and respect. Okay. Yep. Okay. And you respect your children. Very much. How do you show them respect? With love and guidance. Okay. Mm-hmm. How else? I mean, how do people show you respect? That they, they ask you for advice? Well, they can ask me for advice, but they also, the, the way they speak to me. All right. Example so yourself. Like, we have a good banter, but I know that deep down you have a respect I'm not saying that you love me, but you we have a good understanding of each other. And when we we talk and you take that time to talk to me, you're showing me respect. You actually, you teach me a few things. Um, I teach you a few things. We're learning, we're learning it off each other. So your children t- taught you things? Oh, 100%. I thought I loved my wife more than anything on this planet when I married her. And then when my son came, he taught me love like no other. He taught you love? Yeah, I how, never how knew you could love something as much as I love my children. As much as I have the materialistic things in this world, right? And the beautiful wife, the beautiful house, the beautiful cars, the kids, the, my three children, is what I, I, that's what I live for. That's what I love. You mm. taught them this love. Yeah. How do they show it? How do they show love to you? I'll give you an example. And this is, I know you're going to just say, oh, it's just words. But every time I speak to my daughter on the phone or every time I leave the, the house to go to work or to a meeting or whatever it is, my daughter will say, every, and I'm, this is not a word of exaggeration, every single time without fail, she'll say, love you, dada. Have a good day, dada. Love you. Even if I hang up the phone, 
right? and I forget this. Not that I forget. Oh, I'm busy, and I go, okay, see you, bye, Cleo. I'll see, I'll see you later. And I hang up, literally, with my hand on my heart, with the God above us. She'll ring me back twenty seconds later and say to me, "Love you, Dad." And I feel guilty and say, oh, "Of course, I love you, my princess." Things like that. So, is the, she the youngest? She's my youngest. She's just turned fifteen, and she's been like that since she was started talking. Oh, what about your oldest? Noah, my my eighteen year old, my my very highly academic boy. Um, yeah, he's even till today. He tells me, "Love you, Dad. Love you, Mum." Till today, hugs his mum every single day. You know, every single day. we're very um, not emotional, but very um, yeah. We, we show our kids love by like there's a lot like for example, there's employees at my my stores, and I go, "Hey, hey, you speaking to your parents today?" Because they're from Buffalo or they're from New York or from. Did you speak to your parents today? Oh no, I go. When's the last time you spoke to your parents? Oh, a month ago. I'm like, really? I go. You should speak to your parents every day, and this is my opinion. And then I go, "Do you tell them that you love them?" No, don't tell them I love them. Well, do your parents tell you they love you? Oh, no. And I'm going, why? You know? They're a, they're, you're a product well, of them. Right, exactly. So they're, they're a product of you. You brought them into this world. You're responsible for them. You're, Again, you're, yeah. yeah you're, so there you go. You brought them into this world, <clears throat> and you tell me you're responsible for them. Mm-hmm. They're your responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around. No. Why not? Well, we're the guiders. We, we show them the guidance. They'll be responsible for us when I'm, you know, 80 or 90. Or do, you want them, do you ever want them to be responsible for you? To a certain degree, yes. Like, but no. <laughs> the answer is no. Really? No. I don't want them to be saying, oh, shit, I've got to go take care of my dad. Um, he's in a nursing home. <laughs> and I put the burden on them. You know, I try you, to keep myself Again, fit. as I said before, you brought them into this world. They, they're your responsibility. Yeah. So who has to understand who? Is it your children that need to understand you or is it you that need to understand them? It's both ways. 100% both ways. You think it's 100%? 100% both ways. I've got to know where they, what they want to achieve, guide them for what they want to achieve. Like, as you know, my oldest boy want, who wants to study medicine and he wants to become um, anesthesiologist. I've got to guide him in, in, in the right channels to, to achieve what his dreams and desires are. Like, um, as when you're a kid, like, I, I know you're 18, you're becoming a young man, but as a, they're still children, they're still kids, they don't know what they want. My dad guided me through medical school and pharmacy school and, and things like my. If I didn't have my dad tell me which way to go and what to study, oh, you've got to do chemistry, you've got to do physics, you've got to do biology... And you got you know forget the English because you want to go down the medical path. You got to take all the sciences. If you ask me, when I was in ninth grade, tenth grade, preparing to do all this to choose the right subjects for eleventh, twelfth, if I didn't have that guidance from my parents, I'd probably be a bum on the street. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. I'm a very strict father, and my kids are well well aware of that. But I'm also strict but loving. Hard love. Hard love. Yeah. They know if so, I raise my voice. So you them, don't allow them a lot of freedom? They earn it. How do they earn the freedom? Okay, so for example, the, the two boys, let's use the boys as an example. I, I'm very protective of my daughter as a, as a father. father is of their daughter, especially being in a foreign country. My boys, they're very spoiled. One bought them brand new Teslas. They, can, they, have, they do have a curfew. They do have a curfew, so they're going to be home by 11 o'clock at night on a Friday and Saturday night. 
There's no going out during school nights unless we're going to a school basketball game or whatever it is. There's, there's limitations. They know when to say, oh, Dad, can I do this? Or Dad, can I get away with this? Or whatever, whatever the fact they want to do. And I'll just say, yes or no. If I don't think it's the right thing for them to be going out on a school night or like their education is their number one. All right? That's the setup. Get the education, right? Even if they don't use it, if like, for example, Noah, he wants to be a doctor. Get the education. If you don't want to be a doctor after that and you want to go do property development like I did or you want to go do run by coffee shops like I did or you want to do car washes like I did, whatever the, whatever the other businesses you want to do, as long as you've got that backbone. Okay. What's your greatest fear, son? My greatest fear is failure. Failure. And I think that was instilled by me from my parents. I never wanted to let them down. You know? Oh, you've got to be a doctor. You've got to be this. You've got to be, you know, highly educated. Like I'm doing with my, my kids. I reckon my kids will give me the same answer. What the, the biggest fear is is failure. You don't want to look, you don't want to fail to anybody. To anybody? Yeah, especially, so now, my, especially my parents. Right, so you, you don't want to be judged. Correct. As a failure. Correct. What is failure for you? Like I said, there's uh, probably two avenues. The materialistic things, by not having them, could be looked as a failure, right? But the, the emotional failure is being a nobody, not being respected. I still have fear of failure. Fear of not being respected. Respected, but not only that, like failure of exams. My uni university has scarred me. You know, I'm now uh, mid-40s and my, I still have nightmares about not studying for an exam, going to an exam Do and not, not, not knowing what's going to be an exam and you're having studied hard enough. That's my failure. Are you afraid that your children will have the same nightmares? I've never asked them that, but yeah, could be. I think like my, my, my kids are a bit more grounded in that aspect. Like how did Noah you? studies hard. So how did you protect them? It. How did you protect them from having that nightmare? Of failure. Oh, I spoke to him about it. Oh, you spoke. Oh, I spoke to him about it for sure. I, I, I that's the other thing. I, that's what I think makes me a good father. Is that I give them all my history, all my ways of life. Say, are you afraid that your children might judge you a failure uh, or, or no, judge they, you? No, I don't think so. They've seen all the successes I've had. I think they want to emulate that too. My Levi, my second boy, goes, I'll be way, way more wealthier than you. I'll have many more cars than you, Dad. I'm going to have me. And I said, you go get it, mate. You go. You make sure you do. I want them to be more successful. No, let's me. go back to love. Yep. You love your children. Very There's much. no doubt. Very much. And you love your wife. There's no doubt. Very much. Are there parameters on your love? Like, if, if you're not this way, I'm not going to love you? No. 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 So what if your, what if your daughter or your son end up being, um, being a bum on the street? You going to love them any less? I, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't let it happen. You wouldn't let it happen. Mm -hmm. How would you keep that from happening? I'd guide him. I, it's hard to say because I'm not going to let it happen because I want to guide them in the right direction, no matter what it takes. So you have a lot of faith. Yeah. In your guidance. 100%. And a lot of faith in yourself. Yeah, and, uh, and that was instilled into me from my parents. When my parents left uh, Egypt and Italy back in the 1960s, they went to Australia with nothing, right? But did, they were probably scared of failure and being... Starving. Know, starving and <laughs> whatever. But my dad was a very highly educated man and he made sure that 
what I'm do, like I'm doing exactly the same. He made sure that we were fed. That he had children. They were fed. We had a roof over our head. We had um, money, whatever it was. Like my parents were never very wealthy people or anything like that. But we, he made so sure you're, that you're we were covered. Good, right. And I'm so doing you have that. A lot and, of, and I'm doing that and beyond. You have a lot of faith in yourself. Yes. And you feel that you're giving that faith in themselves to your children. Yes. And possibly, I mean, your your biggest fear is failure, mm-hmm. but the faith that you have in yourself is probably what kept you from failing. Correct, hundred percent. I know I won't fail because you have faith in because I've got faith in myself. And I'm, with all due respect, I'm pretty highly educated. That sounds arrogant, but I'm not a dummy. I do take risks. What shows? Two, two what shows people again the fear of being judged, Simon? Mm-hmm. What, what shows the world that that you're not? You know, there's, there was Don Rickles, uh, famous comedian. One of his lines was, whenever he roasted somebody, mm-hmm. he would say, Simon's a great man. I know because he tells me. <laughs> but I don't think you're the type of person that's going to go and tell somebody how successful you are. And yet, you've mentioned that people have acknowledged your success. Hmm. Um, you have friends that, that underlined your success. Yep. How did they do that? So, but they look at it as a materialistic thing. Oh, this guy's got Ferraris. This guy's got a house. This guy's got sending them to best private school. The kids to the best private schools. Oh, he's a success. Yeah, that's the materialistic things. The success that I know of is the success that I'm of my children. The love I show them. The 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 family I have. That's a success. The love that we have between the five. Like I'm talking about that my immediate the wife and the three kids and the dog you know what i mean that's that's love that's success and people see that and so they judge you as success yeah they see the family side of things as success and they see the materialistic things that are success and but that's how they you, think of success you don't see the material things as a success that's a produce of it produce of it okay yeah. why i got the fancy consequence cars. a consequence exactly mm. if i didn't have that established success at home that wouldn't be implemented into things like business and the materialistic things your parents taught you many things um did you inherit your wealth hell no nothing zero zilch zero zilch nothing so everything that you have self-made not just your family which obviously is self-made yep no my wife and i went to university we met we had nothing we bought our first house she was, I believe, 19 off the top of my head, and I was probably 21 or 22. We bought our first house. Well, yeah, I, I paid for it because I was working. Do you work together? Now we do, yep. So Mandy Mandy was never to work once I married her. So at the age, she was 24 when we got married, and when we married, we had successful businesses, and I was working very hard, Um we had successful businesses and she was this basically because she, she fell pregnant with Noah uh, as soon as we were married. Not before we married, we were good, we were good people. <laughs> not, that, not that saying that's good or bad. But, again, um, again with the judgment. That's a judgment, exactly <laughs> right. But no, she fell pregnant on our honeymoon. Uh, we found out we were in New York. Mandy had never, never left Australia before I married her. And I said to her, I'll show you the world. No. So, so no, we did. We went uh, around the world for almost four months back in 2003 and by the time we had reached New York so we went to Hawaii Los Angeles 
Miami. By the time we were four weeks into our honeymoon, um, or maybe five weeks into our honeymoon, um, we're in New York, and she goes, oh, I'm late. I'm going, oh, oh, okay. We'd never planned on having children straight away, but let's do a pregnancy test. And we and found out in New York, and we're having Noah. I think I've digressed from the question, but... Um, no, 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 you're still on there. Yeah. You're still on there. But that, uh, so then, yeah, so, oh, oh, I do remember the question now. But, um, so, yeah, we, she felt pre- pregnant. Um, by the time we'd finished Europe, showed a, our beautiful country of Italy and, and, and the rest of Europe, we went through Asia, we came home and she had a bit of a belly and she'd never worked since. So, so she was a stay-at-home mum, and then three months after having Noah, she was pregnant again with Levi. So we we're just pumping out the kids. Okay. And so but she was a stay-at-home mum. The question was, mom. did you inherit your wealth? And you said no. No, I thought the question you asked me was, do you work together? Yes. No. Yes. So we, did you work together? We work as a, we work as a husband and wife together. We bring up the children. So you work. But together. I was a, I was a money winner. Well, I was a breadwinner. That, that leads into the, the other question: is your family? Mm-hmm. Mandy, your children, your three children. If you were to put, and this might sound like a banal question, like it's been asked a thousand times, but if you were to put on a scale, mm-hmm. family and the material things, mm-hmm. okay? Obviously, I almost know the answer before mm-hmm. I even ask it. Which it's is more important? It's going to tip one way or another. Right. Which and way is it going to tip? Family. Family. Family is much more so important. You so would, you would give all the stuff away. Mm-hmm. But you might be defined as a failure if you were to give all that stuff away. Not in my eyes, because I've got my family. That's your true success. That's 100% the true success. The materialistic things like the clothing, the cars, the, the houses. They're a consequence. Yeah, that's, that's, that can come and go. Family won't. Oh, then some people will say, oh, no, family can come and go. Blood's thicker than water. And you could, you know, friends can be friend family. And I, I understand all that, but no. All right, so not in my circumstance. So my family is my priority and my my be and all. Travelers, you've traveled many places, travel the world, and you left Australia. Yes, and came to the U.S. Correct. Why? You were a success in Australia. Yeah, that's so. With success, you can get boredom. What is boredom to you? Achieving everything and not knowing what to do next. So you felt that you had achieved everything in Australia. Yeah. And didn't know what I to had, do next. Yeah. And what did you do? You. So, like, for example. Um, no, no, what did you, not what you did in Australia. When you realized that you had done everything you could do in Australia, mm-hmm. all right, what did you decide to do? Next, uh, trying to find a new challenge. So, for example, when we, we were very happy in Australia, don't get me wrong, Australia's a beautiful country. It's always going to be home. My, my family, the rest of my, like my mum and my father, God rest his soul, my sister's still there. And that will always be home. My cousins are there, my uncles and auntie. So the family's there, right? The, the only the family that I hear is my... Your nuclear family. My nuclear family, right, yeah. exactly right. So achieving everything in Australia made me... Look, like, really, like, what was I going to work for? Like, that, that's the question. Like, was I doing it for monetary reason? No. I was doing it because I didn't want to stay home all day and watch TV or whatever. I was playing golf two to three times a week. I was on a tennis court two or three times a week. It's all good fun, and people think, "Oh, that's that's really good." I have a to be playing golf twice a week and going out for lunches with your wife or whatever it is. That's all. That's so. That's the kind of lifestyle I want. But after time, you're going, "This is crap." 
crap. Yeah. Why? Because Why? I don't want to hit golf balls all day. You know, like I'm not interested in being a professional golfer, so I don't want to be hitting golf balls all day. Right. Yes, I'm doing it with you know a friend once. But people strive to have a life where they don't have to work. Right. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah, but I'm. You I, look I, for work. I love to work. You love to work. I do. Why? And the, the, the profession now that I've chosen, and you're going to say, why, why coffee shops? Because you know what? Back in the pharmacy days, right? Every single person that comes to visit a pharmacy is what? Sick. It's true. It's true. Right. So when people, everyone's sick, you get sick. You get, it makes yourself sick. I know you're trying to heal them, but it's a sickness. So I was over that very quickly. And then I looked for other avenues, like the cafes, the car washes, the subway stores, and all the other businesses. You know what, what's a good thing about those, especially the cafes, the, what, the cafes that we have now? You meet new people every single day. And they're not sick. And they're not sick. They're coming in for, they might have, they might have a caffeine addiction or whatever it is. But you know what? You get to know about them. You know? Like I met you. Like I met people in general. Like you find out about their lifestyle, you find out about you know, what what their achievements are. You know? Very good. Yeah, and I, I love that. Meeting so, new people every day in a cafe is just awesome. So mm. you're born in Australia. Yep, born and raised, yep. Yep. You grow up in Australia. Yep. You achieve what you want to have in Australia. Mm-hmm. Some might define that as your life stopped. So you decided to be born again. True comment. That's a great statement. So Going back to work, so Mandy and I had travelled a fair bit and then we, with the kids growing up, even when they were babies, we'd take them overseas to Malaysia, Thailand, Hawaii, Los Angeles, New York. We travelled the world. The only thing I didn't take them was Europe, right? And that's my next objective. So they've travelled. My kids are very well travelled. Every year, two or three times a year, would, you know, maybe not three, but two, twice a year, would definitely go overseas. Queens, even interstate in, in... Now, when you go to these places, yeah. what do you do there? Holiday. But showing them cultures. So why would How do you show them cultures? Oh, like go to Thailand, learning about, you know, the, the, learning the temples and the, the people themselves and the beautiful islands. So it's a holiday, but it's also educational for them. You know? so going when, to Kuala Lumpur when, and teaching about the, the when Muslims. A baby, when a baby is born... Mm-hmm. He's totally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And a baby concentrates on survival, pure yep. survival, right? It has mm-hmm. to be fed, mm-hmm. has to be changed, has to be nurtured. Uh, well, fed, nurtured, but nurtured also in, in caring and love. Uh, otherwise, the baby will die. Mm-hmm. It starts its life, and it's constantly in a discover. It seems like you have, in life, you have a past life. The life in Australia. Yep. Now you have the next life, the life in the US. Yep. And so on. You continuously born and reborn. Born and reborn. You never stop living. Yeah. And that could be a downfall for me. Some people say, oh, you, get, you get bored so quickly. And Mandy says it to me all the time. I've had so many different types of businesses. Right. Everyone goes, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, but I get bored very quickly. I'm always looking for the next thing to do. But you're not a quitter. No, I'm not a quitter. No, 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 no. Definitely not a quitter. I'll, touch wood, every business I've had has been very, very successful. Why? Well, I'm going to probably digress a bit, but it's, it's called risk. Educated risk compared to standard risk. So, like, you're going to cross the street. If you cross the street and don't look both ways, you're going to get hit by a car or a bus. But if you look both ways and take an educated risk, 
you you're going to get across the street. You're going to go across the street. That's my mentality. So every business, no matter what it's been, subways, car washes, pharmacies, cafes. Oh my god, I've got so many. I've had so many businesses I can't keep up. Um, but I've studied the crap out of them. Right, really know what I'm doing again, before we're, I get again. We're with knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge Research, is power. Yeah, the exactly. Thing. Knowledge exactly. is power. Exactly. Researching so much out of it before I pull the trigger. So it comes back to success, what I'm yeah. hearing is an immense zeal for life, but more so a zeal for adventure and mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. You just want to keep learning. Oh uh, yeah, I agree on that. Do you think that when you stop learning is when you truly Stop living. I'll be dead. When you stop learning. Yep. Let's go back to the fear of failure, which then we translate it into a, a fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. What makes a good judge of character? Like, what makes a person a good judge of character for you? Like, I always think I'm a good judge of character, but I've learned the hard way many times where they're not. You know, like the person that I thought was a good person isn't. It's it's a trait that's very hard to educate. Like I try to get my kids to become a good judge of character to make sure they the peers they hang out with at school, the other students at school, making sure that, you know, they're not doing anything naughty or you know, untowards or anything like that. Being a good judge of character is a very hard trait to, to have. It's hard. But slowly, slowly you'll get you'll learn it. And I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. Why did you become a good judge of character? It's just because of the meeting and knowing so many people. And like I said before, like even with the cafes now, I, why do I go to a cafe? Why do I, why do I need to work? Because I'm learning from people that I talk to every day. Like when people come and order a coffee from me or whatever it is, and I'm going, oh, this guy's a bit of a, a douche. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, or they go, oh my god, I can learn so much from this guy, you know. Or this guy's highly educated; he can teach me a fair bit, and I will. It's important, uh, and to I'll, you. I'll magnate to attract so, to that person. All right, so it's important to you that you're judged well. Yeah. Okay. As well as it's important to you to judge well. Yes. Okay. You mentioned cafes. What is what's the name of the cafe? Miss Melbourne Coffee. Miss Melbourne Coffee. How many do you have? Two in Los Angeles. Two in Los Angeles. Have you others? Uh, back in Australia, yeah. Oh, yeah? How many in Australia? Uh, they're all franchised. Oh, they're all franchised? Yeah. And they're all called Miss Melbourne? Uh, no, they've got different names. They have yeah. different names, okay. So you have two here. Are you stopping at two? No. We've got plans for number three and number four within the next couple of months. Bored yet? Getting there? No, not at all. This is what's uh, enticing me. COVID, COVID put me back a bit. Uh, I, my target, like I always set myself uh, goals and to make sure I try to achieve them. Like I put a five-year plan together, whatever it is. And um, they, but yeah, COVID really screwed us around. You know, leasing was very hard to do. Landlords weren't negotiating. They're all scared about the moratoriums being put in place to, to protect the tenants and things like that. So two years, nothing happened. But now we're like, we just opened a, a store 10 months ago. We've got another one hopefully opening within three to four months. And we'll get the ball rolling now. Our target is probably to do about two or three a year. And then once probably get to about 10, 15 stores, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, re-strategize. Maybe, maybe we'll sell them all or we'll start franchising them again or whatever it is. You have a lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot, a lot to manage. Yeah. Family and 
many several businesses to manage. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like you're doing too much? I mean, you went from playing golf and playing tennis and relaxing to now, is there a point where you think you might be doing too much? No, because I'm not burnt out. Um, look, it gets on top of you at times. Burnt out? Whoa, define that burnt out. Where it's going, oh my God, this is getting too much. I need to take a step back. And then, not that I've ever been depressed or I'm a very, I think I'm you know, what depression is all about. Like I've never got to the stage where, oh, hang on, this is really depressing me. I've got to take a step back. Like I've never been to that point. So burnt out? No, I've never has got... That, I, has anyone ever defined you as an overachiever? Friends have. Yes? Yeah. How? Jealousy. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> How? How did they define you as an overachiever? Um, oh, you're doing too much. How did you do that? You're cheating the system. Well, where's the negativity of doing too much? I mean, when they said to you, you're doing too much, so how is that bad? But, no, but it's jealousy on their part because they can't do what I do. And is that true? They can't do what you do? No. Do you feel that... They're just... This is a famous comment... Not famous. Sorry, I'll take that word back. Not famous. But this is a, a comment that I stand by. There is 95% of the people in the world... There are, this is Australian slang, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Okay. Do you know what I mean by shoulda, coulda, woulda? Yes. I should have done this. I could have done this. I would have done this. And let's just define that as regret. Yeah. Regret. I could have you any regrets? I'm the other 5%. I've never regretted anything I've done. Okay. I'm the other five, I'm the 5% where I've, no, I should have or would have or uh, could have. I'm a done it, been there. Done that kind of guy. I will do it. And if I ha- say I'm going to do happy it, to I have, will tell you and, I'm going to do it. And happy to have done it. Happy to do it. Educa- uh, being educated. Like, even though it's a risk, like for example, opening a car washes. Did I know anything about car washes? Hell no. I knew nothing about doing about car washes. Right? And we started the second largest company in Australia, car washes. Oh, right? wow. Did I know anything about Subway stores when we opened up all these Subway stores? I knew nothing about Subway. I knew how to eat a Subway sandwich, but we opened up multiple stores. What I knew about my gambling businesses. I've got a lot of gambling businesses back in Australia. Like, do I do I gamble? No, I don't gamble. It's just, but learning about those businesses was interesting. It was interesting. Learned about them. Okay, are they successful businesses? Yeah. Every business that I've been in has almost been recession proof. So no matter how, what happens in the economies of the world, I'm protected. Gambling. Everyone goes, oh, people don't gamble if there's a, there's a recession coming in. Um, yeah, they do, mate. Because the last $5 in your pocket or the last dollar in your pocket, if you think you're going to win on a horse race or whatever, or is it, should I go buy food with that last $1? They go, mm, no, you know what? I'll gamble it, right? And try and make money out of it. That's the problem with the, 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 the gambler, okay? And that's why I say gambling is recession-proof. People will still tend to go gamble even though the world's going to crap, house prices are going through the roof, Food's going up. Do you feel any responsibility towards the the gambler that abuses gambling? I mean, well, there's, there's, putting out the, the, the not product. My, my responsibility? No. Because unfortunately, I'm a businessman. So my business is to make money out of gambling, then I'll push the gambling. Would you make business? You're, you're Have a I got morals in that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because... Mm, yeah, I do. I mean, let's look at You're a pharmacist. Yep. All right. Would you go out and sell... Cocaine, no. fentanyl. No, 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 Why not? No, no. Because it's illegal or? No, that's not the right thing to do. There's, there's okay, go ahead. Define. But Why is it not the right thing to do? Morals. 
Simple. It's just the, the morals of the way I've been brought up. You don't. Uh, oh, morals are rules. Again. Yeah, I understand rules. that, but like, if someone's got is suffering from alcoholism or something, like, you don't go give them a can of beer or something like that. Why? You, why wouldn't you give? Because an that's alcohol. not the right thing to do. You're trying to repair the person rather than be a detriment to the person. And yet, you have gambling company. I do, but the gambling is there's a, there's there is restrictions in place. If you know someone's gambling beyond their means, it's like cutting them off. It's like we. You know, someone's got alcohol alcohol problem. You don't get keeping cans of beer or a wine or anything like that. You cut them off because that's what your morals tell you to do. Because that's the right thing to do, and that's what I'm trying to instill in my children. Like you were talking about respect, you got to respect that person. Yeah. You want to respect back, you know. So you respect, and again, we're going to come full. Respect is understanding that. No, hundred percent, exactly right, exactly. Right. So. Miss Melbourne, mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing about the cafe? Meeting new people. Meeting new people. Yep. And they come in. Yep. And they sit down. What do you offer them? In the gambling company, you're giving them the opportunity to have fun, <laughs> you know, gamble, yep. maybe win. In in Miss Melbourne, what are you giving the people? Are you just giving them a coffee? Or? Um, I think we sell a good coffee. I sell a very good Italian coffee, Lavazza. Very popular in Europe. Very, I think it's the number one coffee in Australia still. But, so but I'm giving them more than that. I'm giving them my time. Not that it's, I'm saying my time is valuable, but like I said, I like to meet new people. Just because you know we're in Hollywood now, and uh, and you know, beautiful girl walks in, and I want to talk to her because she's beautiful. No, I want to get to know these people: male, female, gay, straight. Whatever the, whatever they are, that's all. Well, aspects it's of an people. Ed, it's it, they're educating me by me asking them the questions. And you know what? When people come in and get a coffee every day, they're not just coming to get a coffee. They want the interaction. Yes. They want to know. Hey, and like, like ninety five percent of my customers say, "Hey, what's on? The, what's on for today?" You know, I have so many regulars at our, at our stores. I know them by name. I know what they do. I know where they've been. I know where they originally from. I know what family they have, and that's me educating myself on so, them. So then maybe then the people that come to Miss Melbourne, mm-hmm. they come there and they pay for the interaction. Yep, the experience. The yep. experience, mm-hmm. a place to sit, mm-hmm. place to do something. Mm-hmm. And then you, for that amount that they pay, you give them a coffee or you give them, but they're paying for to be there. The, the, exactly. And yeah. then you say, well, you know what? Let me, let me, you know, you're sitting here paying me for it. How much did you pay to sit here? Let me give you a coffee for that. Uh, uh, you know, or let me give you, I, I'm, I don't know how to say that in English. Um, it's not free. It's um, almost like a bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, the, the, this is what you're paying for. And uh, because you paid for this, you get you, included in the payment of yep. being there. You get a free coffee. You get a free cro- hot cross bun. You get a free pastry or whatever. Yep. You know, and it's kind of funny, but no, I'm paying for the pastry. Actually, no, you're paying to be here. Yeah, it's, it's part of the experience, and not only that, it's I have lots of regulars. I don't know what coffee they want. Sometimes they just want to get in and out, right? But you know what? The majority of the time, they're coming in with their puppy dog, or and they're going for a walk, and they just need. They got nobody else. Oh. Or they they have out they, they want they want interaction. Did you ever have a customer come in and ask, you ask them what would you like and they'd say I don't know? Oh man, many a times. And how do you deal with that? It's annoying. Don't get me wrong, because you don't know what they want. Like if you walk into a coffee shop, like if you walk into a dress shop, 
What are you expecting to buy? A dress. Right. If you're walking into a coffee shop, what are you expecting to buy? A coffee. A coffee. Right? Or something. Or maybe it's, it might, might could be a sandwich or a pie or a sausage roll or a hot cross bun or whatever the, it is. But when you come in there and you've got no idea what you want, it, is, it can be frustrating. And, but you know what? That gives you the opportunity to sell your product. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the customer that comes in and says, you know, you ask them. Oh, well, I say, well, this, I these know. are the favorites. This is what the, the, our best sellers are. This is what my opinion, and I'll give them my opinion. Or like, oh, I love the teas or I love the milkshakes or I love, you know, we don't just sell coffee. We sell, we, you know, and hopefully by taking the, the time to speak to that person, you know, they will, with service in the customer service industry, if you have one good interaction, they'll tell one person. If you give them, oh, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what you want, you know, piss <laughs> off. They'll go and tell 10 people how bad the service is. And okay? And you don't want that about your business. So you, no. t- you, you take the time. It is frustrating, but if you take the time and you serve them well and guide them like you do with your children, with your family and all that, if you guide them, they'll come back. And you know what? You can make a good friendship out of it. And that's what I'm there for. Simon. Yes. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you here. And I'm sure people will have a great pleasure in listening to your life. (laughs) It's a wonderful life. And this is Nobody's Podcast. And we were here to talk about success. And I think we achieved that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Nobody's Podcast. We hope our guest story today has inspired you to live your dreams and achieve success on your own terms. Tune in next time as we continue this journey of empowerment and positive change. Dream big, work hard, and go live the life you've always imagined. This is Nobody's Podcast, signing off.